in the prime of life, says me, far as I be known, having time to snack around in comfort all the year. So when we get a little time before our boat gets going, we head on down to the library, and this is what we hear. Come on and look all around, there's plenty for to see. Make your own self right upon my love, the library. Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with artist-illustrator Janine Gibbons about her latest children's books that she has illustrated. Welcome, Janine. Thank you for inviting me here to speak today. Yeah, so um, can you tell us about the new children's books that have just been released that you've illustrated? Yes, I would love to. Well, um, for the past few years, I've been um, illustrating two books of a four-book series um, with and for Sarah Florence Davidson and Robert Davidson. Um, They are Haida's, and I'm a Haida as well. That's part of my lineage. And so they chose me to... They asked me a few years ago if I would illustrate for them, and and I said yes. And um, and so it's been quite the process because um, with the original books that I illustrated uh, for the Alaska Heritage Institute, um, uh, The Woman Carried Away by Killer Whales, Someone Who Married the Bear, Raven Makes the Illusions, and then 
the reprint of uh, The Woman Carried Away by Killer Wills, Nanjada Skana Lana Istian, um, that those were really uh, creating a foundation of oral tradition, oral stories. Yeah. And then now with this, these new books, it's taking it to a personal modern day, modern times. Uh, but it's, yeah. uh, there are Robert Davidson's um, childhood memories um, with his grandfather for the first two, the, for, for the first two books. Um, and so Sarah, his son, or his daughter, excuse me, <laughs> Sarah, um, she, yeah, listened to her father, and she has a PhD in literature, and she listened to his stories, and obviously growing up with Robert as her father, she made observations, but he, uh, he shared his stories, and then she, she wrote with him the stories, and then they gave me the words, and I illustrated the stories. <laughs> nice. And so these stories, they're different from your first ones. Your first ones were um, myths and mm-hmm. legends. Oral tradition stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then uh, uh, these, these ones have more to do with uh, clan crests and lineage, mm-hmm. uh, the, first, the first books. Um, like, for instance, I'm Brown Bear. Uh, Devilfin Killer Whale, the, plus a whole bunch of other crafts, but those stories, I have the right to tell those stories because that is my lineage. Um, uh, the Woman Who Married the Bear, I'm also um, Brown Bear, I'm from Brown Bear House, that's part of my lineage. So these stories actually have to do with my lineage as well. And then even though The Woman Who Married the Bear is Clinkett's story, Haida's have it as well, and so does the Stimshian. Uh, so that that kind of covers a lot of ground. But it, it starts to show kind of the symbols and the ideologies that we have. And when I was doing those books, I um, kind of my, my reality and my, my connection to this land changed a lot because um, I would say more I was like unaware of a lot of things just because I didn't grow up with my history. There weren't very many Haida people. Uh, by the early 1900s, uh, there was about 550 Haida people left. Um, also, my great-great-grandmother was born in Fort Rupert, and I believe with the Kwakwakawa people, there was only about 50 uh, people left. I think that was the last numbers I saw. Uh, it was either 50 or 200. So for me, kind of doing those first stories was like having to really do a lot of research and so that's really what led me to being able to do these other books as well because without having done this other stuff I I wouldn't have had the same connection to the modern day stories as I did as I as I have and so because I did these first books after I had done these first books for SHI um, then I traveled to Haida Gwaii and I met my clan brothers and sisters and it was a phenomenal experience and um, it just felt like home. Like it just was, even though I hadn't been there until my early forties, uh, it was it was just like a, it was like an old memory that was just it was a pretty emotional experience. So, so I did took a lot of fo- photography, of course, and and a lot of the photographs actually ended up in Where Women Create magazine because I was I was slated to be in their magazine at the same time I was traveling, and so. So a lot of the imagery went into those magazines, and then some of that imagery went into these books, <laughs> and especially Jigging for Hal that Wichini, uh, like the cover, 
was actually a photograph that I took when I was there. And then um, Chini means uh, grandfather in Haida. And so, um, and it's about Robert, Robert Davidson Sr., which is Robert Davidson's grandfather. So um, this book was, a, was, now that I get to see it, because I, I illustrated it here in Petersburg. And so um, I actually combined both Robert's story, uh, uh, pictures from Haida Gwaii, their family pictures, and then also parts from Petersburg because I was here when I was illustrating it. And so um, in this book, there's a dinghy, uh, a Davis dinghy, and Andy Cohen, it was actually Andy Cohen's uh, dinghy that he built here in Petersburg. Uh, out at Packies, and so, um, but he, he, I learned a lot about the process also of the boat, and then the history of the Davis boats, which are actually Simshian uh, boats, and a lot of people have those boats. We have the Davis boats to thank for a lot of the fisheries today because of um, their technology. Um, the Davis family from uh, Matlakatla, um, they combined like an East Coast dinghy and a canoe, and so these these boats were really really efficient, and so that is actually the book that I illustrated into the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I really would love to tell the story of the the um, the history of of the wooden boats here. Yeah. Um, so it was really special to be able to. Um, to know that Robert Davidson Sr., who this book is about, Chinny, he was a boat builder too. And so I was given the knowledge, because I'm an illustrator, that he built the boat. It's a hand, his boat was handmade, and so it would have been similar to the same boat that, that, I, that, that Andy had made. Yeah. And, so, and then also there's handmade oars uh, that's part of the story, and those are actually, I used those as the model because... Um, you know, these men were all doing the same exact thing, creating things from nature and the local wood. And so yeah. the wood that's in the, the imagery that I've chosen in the book is actually stuff that's been handmade here locally, but also represents the same techniques that were used also by the Haida. And so, yeah, it really was really important for me to kind of merge merge all of all of my communities, at least, into the stories and to uh, bring everybody together. But then also um, to keep true to the story because I I mean I've been to all these places they all you know it really um, was it is exciting for me because I'm looking at this book another um, thing I wanted to do that was really common uh, for all of us on the ocean are the seagulls yeah and so I like when you first open the page uh, of the book you're seeing all these seagulls flying at you. Um, I think that's pretty. As soon as I opened that book and I saw that, I it just it just screamed Janine. <laughs> um, and I don't know why, but I do associate you with seagulls. Yeah. I, I've seen a lot of seagull art yeah. come from you, and yeah, that is beautiful. Thank you. And I think the um, so these these two books, the one we're talking about now is jigging for halibut with Chinny, and. Um, so it's just about a boy mm-hmm. going out halibut fishing with his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And um, it's such a gentle tale, but I love it because it's um, it's a modern experience. But even though in the story they're in a rowboat, 
that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And um, today we might not be in a rowboat, but it's still something you would do with your grandfather today. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of my favorite parts in the book is when he... What does he put it on the eye? Oh, yeah, he puts the bait, bait on, on the eye. eye. And he's, mm-hmm. what does that mean? Don't just look at it. Bite it. Bite uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- there were some, uh, this, there's some really good, yeah, this, uh, don't just look at it. Let's see, he says, uh, uh, rubs the bait into the halibut eyes. Yeah, he's telling the halibut to bite the bait and not just look at it. Then he throws the line out again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted to give um, the perspective of uh, like all the views. Like, what is it? What is it like for the halibut? <laughs> like oh, in the middle yeah. of the book, it was really like, what does the halibut see? You know, when he's like coming up, and so you know, there's some oh, okay. uh, interesting perspective. The club. <laughs> yeah, because you only see part of this, but there's actually a club and a gaff in my hand. Uh, <laughs> but imagine, like, I was out there on the dinghy, like, standing in the handmade boat, which is actually not very easy to be in a wood boat getting ready to, to, to do that to a halibut because they're pretty feisty. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so you got to make your mind strong, which is, which is, um, this is actually my favorite saying of the whole book. It says, um, uh, when it, uh, let's see, but he's facing the water, tugging hard on his line. I grab the gaff again and prepare to club the halibut when it breaks through the surface of the water. When it does, Chinny says to the halibut, make your mind strong because I'm going to club you. This is out of respect, preparing the fish for what is to come. Oh, yes. Yeah, I love that part. Now, he's saying that to the halibut. Yep. Because he's yeah, going to wallop him. He's already going, he's, he's yeah. putting that knowledge forward so that the halibut knows to. But also because he's, he's saying it, so he's like manifesting it as well. So that halibut, I, and, I've, and I've seen this with other indigenous people, like whaling people, my friends that I know that are whalers, like up north that they sing to the whales, and the whales have been hearing this song for thousands of years, and so it's, it's part of their genetics uh, to hear the songs and hear the sounds, and that sometimes they will just turn over to the right spot so that they can be harpooned. Oh, wow. Right? And so there, it's like a, it's, a, it's another connection, a, more, a deeper connection with the animals and um, with the creatures of the ocean. And so I really am, uh, I, I got that connection as I was spending time down in the water getting ready to illustrate all this. And, and then also, um, yeah, I, I was able, because I'm really into like sacred geometry and, and things like that. Like I was starting to see the connection of um, just creation itself and the language of water. And so a lot of these um, pages, we actually have an educator's guide that, that my publisher is printing that has a lot of this additional information that maybe sometimes people wouldn't necessarily correlate, but there'll be a teacher's book that has like all these kind of yeah, side I bits of that. information that that even that I had while I was um, illustrating. So it's, it's a really interesting combination of, of pedagogy and... Um, and my artistic view of, 
how I, I how I see it, and kind of the additional kind of art history bits that that come into to like contemporary art as well, but then also ancient knowledge. Yeah. Um, If you are just joining us, this is Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. I'm Kari Peterson, and today I'm talking with Janine Gibbons, who is artist-illustrator, about her two new children's books that have just been released from High Water Press that she has illustrated. So, can we talk about this one, mm-hmm. Learning to Carve... Argolite or argillite? I say argillite, but then sometimes some rock people correct me and say it's argillite. Um, okay. I don't know. So <laughs> I call it, I say argillite. It's that pretty black. <laughs> black stone, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, argillite um, is, um, is a black stone from Slate Chuck Mountain uh, in Haida Gwaii, and only, only Haidas can carve it. And um, this, the argillite really um, exploded as more of a, an art form, especially when totems were being taken down. And so there was a time um, when we were doing as much as we could to, to contain and retain the stories. And so argillite was, was a way for that to happen. Um, wood, stone. But for me, as I kind of started to immerse myself into the story, is that, um, and as a jewelry maker myself, mm-hmm. is that stone has properties. Like every stone, like, well, crystal is alive, so there's actual knowledge. And sometimes the more sensitive you are as a, a human, you can feel those frequencies and that knowledge. Yeah. And so basically I was also trying to articulate that that the stone has these stories in it. Just like when you're a woodworker, like the first book is about wood. All it's also about wood. You know, okay, and the yeah, la- and for the me boat. it's about the book the the it's about Chinny, it's about Halibut fishing, but it also is starting to talk about and or at least show you there's a very intentional for me it's very intentional to show the language of the wood as mm-hmm. well. So with the little the ways that the, the wood grains go and the colors and then also combining that the water has language. And so you'll see that there's a lot of different ways that the water is talking in this book. Because I know when everybody opens up the Jigging for Halibut, on the one of the first pages, uh, Chinny and, and Robert are, um, Robert and Robert, are, um, are paddling. And there's this really sense of calm on yeah. it. And that's because the water is horizontal. Uh, and so... It, it starts to set the scene. The lines start to set the scene. The water speak. This is like the language of the water. And then I start to do the language of the clouds and the birds. So included with the language of the wood that you can see in the illustrations. And then also the clothing. The clothing was very important to me as well. And because it shows timelines too where for what people are choosing to keep warm or you know yeah. what people wear to keep warm changes with time but for all of us in common is that we all been in this corridor of the inside passage you know from Canada here we wear a lot of the same clothes to stay warm and so I wanted to really also have that as, as a key feature of this story both of the stories go back and forth so like it's 
they're two separate books, but they're still also still the same story because because Chinny um, Robert uh, Chinny is in both of these books, and so yeah. we see him. Uh, he's he's the main character. Robert is the both of the Roberts are the main characters in both of the stories, and it's this intergenerational knowledge that's being handed down and also kind of the quietness that you can learn from just listening. So um, that's really um, highlighted throughout the book is listening. As Sometimes just listening as, like, Chinny is, is carving, it's, that's the learning is by being quiet and just observation. But then he, he puts things to practice. And so that's part of the Skada principles, for instance. These are as part of the Skada uh, books, which means learning, Okay. And they're just these principles of learning, efficiently, efficient learning and handing down also of these oral traditions because although these are stone, these are our language too. Yeah. And so for the Argelite, that our language is in, in the stone because they carry the stories. But not only that, it's also the language of the land. So it's literally the stone is also speaking through, through the carvers. And so I wanted that to, to, to be shown that, that it's all one. Like, when I'm illustrating Robert, like, his hair is this blue color that's blue like the stone. That's, so you can start to see that he's becoming one with the stone as he's, illustra- as he's creating. Yeah. He becomes one with the stone. And the stone story is also coming out through him for the way that he, he designs. And so... Um, we're looking at a page um, that has some sharks that I've illustrated into it because, again, the rocks have been here for really longer than we humans have been here. The rocks have been here, and they all carry that knowledge. And so um, I wanted to start to integrate that the stones and the rocks have the knowledge of the earth. And so that's okay. why I started to bring the creatures out of, out of the stone. And the sharks are... Or an ancient creature. Yes. Okay. <laughs> We've got megalodons, yeah. for instance. So uh, dogfish uh, is one of my clan crests, and that is why the dogfish is in here. Uh, because um, in the story, Claude Davidson, who's Robert's father, is um, he's a raven. And so I'm also starting to include some of his clan crests when he's when he's the one that's, it's his, something that he's carved in the book. Um, I, he's represented with the carving and then also as himself because he's also a teacher. Okay. So, so do you have him in there represented as a raven then? Yeah. So, okay. So oh, when, I see. Right so when there. he says, I learned from my dad and my chinny, but sometimes I go to visit other Argelite carvers from the village to watch them work. And so you will see that there's a raven uh, at the bottom, and that's actually one that his father had carved as well. So it's how we have, uh, when we have items that belong to our parents, our grandparents, that all that energy is within that yeah. item. And so this is where I'm starting to, to show that, that this item is, is his father as well, because he created that. So, And this picture that we're looking at, there's... Robert, the boy, carving, and then there's the raven, and then there's a collection of four elderly men. And I, you showed me this before we started talking, but it's, it's actual real men 
who yeah. were carvers from Haida Gwaii, mm-hmm. and they are recognizable as mm-hmm. if you know who they are, mm-hmm. who yes. they are. Yes. That was pretty special. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, these the books that we have, um, and I illustrated that into the, into the page before the one that we're talking about, and it says Haida Myths, and there's a, a form-line raven, and this is from a Marius Barbeau book. And, and he, um, he documented the Haidas, and uh, these books are from, like, the 40s and 50s. And so those are kind of like Haida Carver Bibles, but mm-hmm. in a way because it was a documentation of the time. And so these fellows were, were in the book, too. So, you know, not only did Robert know these people, some of the people, he was also, they're in the books, and so we still learn from these men, you know. Okay. Even though they're not here, we are, they are still our teachers. And so I wanted to include that because, um, like, one of the fellows in this, in this image that we're looking at is uh, Captain Brown. And you, you might be able to Google search him and hear him singing uh, on the YouTube somewhere. Um, but it's pretty powerful when you can listen to somebody singing, um, especially ancient old songs, and then, and then look at their work and emulate their work um, or just learn. It just takes it to a whole nother level. And so that's why I chose some of, of these faces because they were the ones that, that also inspired me and spoke to me as I studied them to illustrate the book. Okay. Um, so we just touched on it. So I want to come back to that because when when you were talking about it, you said this is these two books are part of a four book series, mm-hmm. and you're gonna you're working on the next two. Yeah, yeah. Now. So it was interesting because, like I was saying, this was about three years in the process to <laughs> illustrate these two books and have like. You know, plus all the back knowledge that you kind of also need to know to 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 do the stories properly. Yeah. Um, but now I have until February to finish the next two books. <laughs> Three years and now a couple of months. But I've been doing the storyboards for a while for the next two books. Uh, one is, um, let's see, Dancing with Our Ancestors. Okay. And that's actually book four. And that has to do with the potlatch uh, that Robert... Davidson and his wife Terry Lynn Davidson put on in in Heidelberg in 2018. Okay. And that's going to be really fun because I I was actually in Heidelberg just a few months before the potlatch, and so I got a lot of really beautiful photographs that I can integrate into the story. And that one I'm very excited about because my my great grandmother um, was one of the first school teachers in Heidelberg. Uh, when all the villages had kind of, the sad part, had, had dwindled down, they combined the, the Haida villages into Heidelberg. And so um, my grandmother had been orphaned, or my great-grandmother had been orphaned, and her sisters, and they um, were sent to school in Mount Edgecombe. And uh, I had read these old letters uh, from Hal Can of... of them trying to keep my grandmother busy, <laughs> my great-grandmother busy. And so she started uh, going to summer school um, at Bellingham Normal School, which is the, the, pre, the beginning of Western Washington. And so she would go to summer school and then come back and be the teacher for, for the kids. 
Um, oh, okay. In Heidelberg. So first it was Haukan, and then it was into Heidelberg. And so um, I went back to Heidelberg a few years ago, just before the potlatch, to make that connection uh, finally again. And, um, and so now I'm doing the potlatch book which is bringing it all the knowledge together because I also learned a lot of um, oral tradition stories as well um, when I was there. And so I get, I'm including some of those landscape knowledge into the book so that more stories can be told, just stories and stories that go into the books. And so I'm skipping ahead to book four because there's a lot of really cool masks uh, oh, yeah, like yeah. really, like the cover. Regalia. Yeah, there's that, and um, the dance masks are phenomenal. Like, there's just as an art historian person myself, like there, there's really there's nothing that even touches what what these men have created, and so it's uh, it's gonna be so cool. It's, I, I mean, I'm already oh, just, that is exciting. I'm yeah. just already pumped on on um, drawing the, the sketches for the book. Um, are just are are so cool. Like I'm, I'm like bouncing off the walls. So the book covers will probably be out next week too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you guys will see the covers and you'll be like, whoa, what is coming? And it's cool. So the covers even themselves kind of match up. So the the potlatch book and then this learning to carve argillite. It's almost like, I guess I'm giving a secret out, but it looks like. The, the mask, the, the, these are the hands of the mask oh, when you okay. put them together. And then um, book uh, three, which is returning to the Yakun River, and that has to do with salmon fishing. And so um, the cover for that is, um, is uh, Sarah and her brother, Ben, and uh, they're in a skiff as little kids with their oars. Okay. And so everybody is going to identify with that here. So yeah. it's pretty... Um, that one is that book, the Returning to the Yakun uh, River is um, in Haida Gwaii. And uh, yeah, it's about, it's about fishing and so and river fishing. And so um, I, I'm, I'm a huge uh, fan of fish traps. <laughs> Or, like, ancient fish traps and stuff okay. like that. Yeah, and indigenous so, fish traps. Yeah, indigenous, yeah, sorry. <laughs> indigenous fish traps, I get pretty excited about uh, that, and so, I don't know. So, <laughs> is there some indigenous fish traps in that book? Well, just fishing styles, but okay. it, when you look at, like, there's some, some books, um, Hillary Stewart books, uh, that you'll see that she does a lot of these old books, uh, that one is Indian fishing, and it has all these really cool ancient fish traps in there. But you'll see some of those images in that book um, are of the Davidson's fish camp that are okay. I'm illustrating into these books. So it's going from black and white from the 70s, 80s to... And then with her illustrations, if you guys have ever seen those books, they're phenomenal. They, she's got all these like sketches of like the ancient fishing techniques and fishing weirs and that kind of stuff and then um and so this is going to be I, I hope that this is just a beginning of, of telling more of those stories yeah uh, but some of those original those black and whites that you see in the Hillary Stewart books are in this book in, in book three okay but in color you know yeah. so we're bringing it to life okay 
there's a lot of books, so it's a lot of it'll be a lot of back and forth. So they all all the books work together really. So yeah, they do. And the thing that I appreciate, I mean, there's the cultural value, which is huge um, for the indigenous people of this area. I personally love the books um, just just because they are representative of our area and you don't need to be an indigenous person to open up that book and have that be your life reflected back at you and I I haven't I mean it's I feel like Sea Alaska was the first one to do it mm-hmm. to offer that to mm-hmm. um our area is like now children have books that are representative of themselves and I know that we've talked a lot about this in the past um, you know that children that then might be reading Dick and Jane books or whatever and they Mm -hmm. don't really represent the child reading the book or that's not what the child does or and we do live in such a unique place yes we do that it's so to me I love having those books of here's the salmon berries here's the blueberries Mm -hmm. here's the wild celery here's Mm -hmm. the you know yeah to read all that stuff or um so I was excited to see more books coming out and they weren't what I expected I thought that I didn't realize it was a different company. Yeah, different publisher. Yeah, um, I, these are with High Water Press. I I love the books. They are so colorful. So this how the High Water Press, I believe, is out of Ottawa. There, it's a Canadian publisher, and it's a women's there. It's a women's uh, pub, publishing house. Okay. And so, um, um, and it's indigenous based, and so they have indigenous uh, illustrators and. Um, uh, writers and so it, uh, they're a phenomenal group to look up and, and get uh, for teachers that are looking for content uh, along yeah. with the Alaska Heritage Institute but um, High Water Press actually has also teachers guides for teachers so they can they can get these books and then many of the other books that they 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 uh, publish and have uh, content for their classrooms with phenomenal uh, illustrations and phenomenal writing. And uh, yeah. what I really appreciate about High Water Press is, um, well, with these books in particular, I was so excited because I just hand over the photo. I These are all paintings that I've scanned in here at the Petersburg Public Library on the... the I know. I was so (laughs) impressed when I saw you come flying in the door and do that the other day. I was like, wow. (laughs) It took a while because these other first books are... They were like wood paintings and then they were these giant... Because I'm a large... I'm a big You are, and actually, I have... Yeah. I have your first bear from the the woman who married the... No, you. What you have is um, is part of a totem that is one of my clan crests from How Can. You actually have part of How Can. Kari personally has one that she bought um, when I was. Yes, it's hanging in my living room. Yeah, when I was working through kind of the what I like to call downloads. It's like <laughs> downloads of like ancestral information. So, kind of when you go through when you start opening those these doors like these are new doors that open up like new libraries within 
yourself. And so when I started opening those doors, I was opening new libraries. And so that library was the history of my family in Haukan and what that meant to be Yaklanas, which is uh, my, um, uh, my, my group of people, my clan, were the Yaklanas. Um, so in, in Haida, that's the, the, those clan crests that you'll see, Raven, yeah. Brown Bear, Doublefin, Killer Whale, those are Yaklanas people. Um, so, um, yeah, and you, so you have a Yaklanas bear uh, at your house. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, so it's pretty powerful. And yeah. So, yeah, and it's uh, that was one I was just... Um, uh, Kari's painting that she has was... Uh, yeah, I was kind of, I was just, it was kind of in a trance, honestly, because sometimes when I'm painting, I'm, I'm absolutely in a different world, and, you know, kind of, uh, I was observing the, the pole and just painting, like, looking at a painting and just, just kind of really loosely painting a photograph. So um, I was actually challenged by one of my Haida Carver friends, like just to loosely do to do that, and so that that was the one yeah. that you bought. <laughs> well, and I had been looking for a bear for a long time, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that just magically appeared. Yeah. Well, at that time, uh, this is this is the fun spiritual uh, kind of metaphysical stuff that happens to me is that when I did that painting. Around that time, I had another friend that I had met who was indigenous, and and he um, he remembered ha- he had had a dream when he was twelve of 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 he and I swimming in in the fog, and we were bears. Oh! And when he said that, uh, I remembered it. I could actually see what he was talking about when he said it, and so that kind of created that like like it's almost making me emotional like that was also part of like the painting that I did yeah it's like you know it's the not, memories yeah yeah so painting is is uh is pretty emotional for me so like all these are are all paintings like nothing that I've done is digital so that's part of um was part of my journey too is that all of these are, are paintings and in each each, each painting represents a different part of my time. And if anybody follows me on social media, they know that I, I'm an obsessive, uh, <laughs> obsessive, like all capital letters right now, a documenter of time. And, and my phone has over 100,000 pictures uh, because I remember I'm a visual learner, so I have to take a picture of it or see something, you know, or go, like yeah. for me, go be there. And, and yeah. understand, like, I really have to, to smell it and hear it and see it and live it and be it, you know, to, for me yeah. to take on any projects to illustration now, like, I really have to be able to do all of those things. Um, so that's, although I have not carved Argelite, um, I do carve other things. So um, anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you yeah. for joining me today. Yeah, thank you. I, I hope I look forward to um, uh, to doing this again. Hopefully, when the other books come out and we yeah, can, it'll we'll, be exciting to see the new books. Yeah. So this spring, well, February. well, all of them done. They actually printed on the books, just in case anybody's looking and it says that they. <laughs> I was just as surprised as anybody. It's spring twenty twenty two for the next books, but. I'm going to be done illustrating them by February, and they're going to come out in the fall. 
Oh, unless not the somehow, spring. Unless, okay. unless there's some kind of miraculous bit that happens between publication, but I still have to paint the paintings, so I'm just finishing the storyboards right now, and then I'm going to be speed painting until um, February, so that's like 40-plus paintings to do by February, so... Well, and I do, I love that when you came running in here with the painting, <laughs> plopped it in our Xerox machine, and emailed it off. <laughs> that was the thing, that's why it's fun. These books are different because they're scanned, so I painted them now in a, in a size, where these other books are photographs of paintings. These are scans from the Petersburg Public Library. <laughs> you gotta love technology, right? Right? It just seems so <laughs> surreal in a way. Right? And We're then just... you magically, I mean, that was what, how many weeks ago you did that? And then <laughs> and then you came in last week and was like, here, I have some books I want to donate to you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, technology. the one you just put in our, yeah. our Xerox a few weeks ago? <laughs> Those covers are coming up. It's, it is, technology is so cool. I mean, I, I love this kind of collaboration of community though like how like yeah. for really what really goes on behind the scenes to make this happen I'm not doing it like all by myself like oh no. you know what I mean yeah. like there's like a whole bunch of people like that are parts of the story or allow me to take pictures or you know like yeah. or the places or I get to borrow somebody's coat or you know an anchor or something like that so yeah it, every it's just, they're all stories within stories and then also coming to the library and going, let's, let's see how these books might look with the other books on the shelf. You know, like yeah. we take all, I, at least I do, I take all of that into consideration. So, Thank you for joining us. This has been Homegrown Conversations, a collaboration between KFSK and the Petersburg Public Library. And thank you to Dijanine Givens, for joining us today to talk about her newly illustrated children's books, uh, Jigging for Halibut with Chinny, and Learning to Carve Argulite. And both of those titles are available at the Petersburg Public Library. And they are written by Sarah Florence Davidson and her father, Robert Davidson, and illustrated by Janine Gibbons.